It's always fun to go to Southern Sog. We hang out with really interesting people, and we always learn something new that's useful. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of January 26, 2011. Yes, I think it's, this is a good time to do a little debriefing on our recent trip to Southern SOG and for the uninitiated, that Southern Sustainable Agriculture Working Group. Um, it is a meeting of organic farmers from the southeastern United States, and uh, we, in fact, we learned a little bit about the history this year at the at Southern Sog, didn't we? Chattanooga, the, Tennessee. Uh, it was Thursday and Friday and Saturday of last week. Of last week, yeah. and we returned. I returned Sunday. You returned yesterday, right? Because you had a little side trip to Birmingham. But the history part was we found out it was their twentieth anniversary. Is that right? Twentieth. That sounds about yeah. right. I, I'm, I'm not. It smart started in '92. Sure. Okay. So, so yeah, 20 years. Yeah, and um, very small organization when it got started. Like it is larger something? now, although clearly the organization has not kept pace with the growth of organic farming in the South. So um, they're doing something wrong, and we can talk about that a little bit, but. Um, it is a much larger organization now. Didn't they say the first meeting had 70-some-odd participants, like yeah. and now we have 1,200? So it's it's huge. And uh, second year in a row, it's been in Chattanooga. We enjoyed staying at the uh, hotel that, that's right there, the Marriott that's right there with the uh, Civic Center. Great location, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and so, but it was, it was a, a time well spent, I thought. Um, as you said, it's always interesting and fun to hang out with organic farmers and people who have uh, common goals with us. We did attend um, the breakout sessions, the concurrent sessions, and um, we tried to divide and conquer so that you and I could. Yeah, I don't get guess we went to any sessions together, no, did we? No, we wanted to get as much information and yeah, take as many notes. Yeah, you think we were having some kind of separation from the way we I were know. attending programs if there, but were... uh, we conferred after. Every chance we got, we compared notes about who had learned what mm -hmm. and so right. forth. And I, the first day, we started out our separation. The first day, I went to Circle S Farm. It was a field trip. And uh, you did, a, uh, I guess, a short course, a little On mini permaculture. Session. Right. So uh, we started there with our learning. And, and uh, we can talk a little bit about specific things that we did. It, as you pointed out when we were talking earlier, we aren't having as many big revelations uh, as we did the first year. This is our third year to attend Southern Sog. And the first year, it was in Louisville that year, that we went. Um, we just went around with eyes, bug-eyed, uh, oh, in wonder at all we were learning. Yeah, and jaw hanging open. Yeah. You know, I mean, I didn't. <laughs> and, and it was overwhelming to me at times. It really was. And it was a little scary what I didn't know. Now... I sit through a session, and the majority of them, I think, plus we've done Master Gardeners. See, that's another thing that that's helped. That makes a difference. Um, but I, I sit there, and I thought, yeah, I knew that. I knew that roots needed aeration. You know, I knew. <laughs> and <clears throat> honestly, I didn't think that much about it three years ago. So it's been good to, to feel more confident in ourselves. 
Um, but we also, as you pointed out, always learn something new. And we have learned to be slightly more discriminating in our choice of programs. There are most of the people who go to Southern SOG are in the business of growing and selling whatever they grow. We are not, so we have to be somewhat careful to choose those programs that won't be all about marketing, because uh, that's yeah. what a lot of those folks in Southern SOG are focused on, as well they should be. Yeah, yeah, we, and, and, you know, we're not so much about farmers markets, CSAs, even though I think that's very interesting, and we need to stay informed about what those folks are doing. And we want to support them Absolutely. every way we can. Absolutely. But, you know, we have our own little narrow vision or whatever of what we're doing, and so we want to stay true to that. But we learned a lot. Um, it makes more sense, as you've said, um, the fact that I got to go on a field. This is my third field trip in a row, too. And for, in fact, every year, that's an option. You don't have to go, but you pay a little extra money and get to go see a working farm. This one, to me... For as far as just being able to relate to what they're doing, was much more, in some ways, more applicable. Even though I froze my buns off out there, I've got to tell you, it was so cold, and I, and I didn't think it was going to be that cold. And so you were I did not, not dressed well. I did not dress in as many layers as I should have, and and but that's a whole other issue. Uh, but the, it was a small operation, husband wife. They may have they have some help, but. They didn't have a ton of interns like the last people that we I saw, or a huge extended family. Um, so in some ways, I could relate to that better. They did have cattle and sheep. They had a lot of animals and chickens uh, that we don't have. However, we have talked about getting chickens at some point, and seeing their operation actually inspired me to possibly want to consider maybe, maybe someday, a cow. I mean, I'm not closing my mind to it after seeing that. And I'm not closing my mind to it, but that's a big step. To it's take. a big step, and they are tied down. But they, uh, they had uh, um, a fairly modest outdoor vegetable garden and a and a good sized hoop house. Again, something on the scale that I think you and I could handle. Uh, so uh, that was a that was a learning experience in and of itself to go on the field trip. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess I spent a lot of time. Uh, going to programs on building soil, keeping soil healthy, that sort of thing. That was probably the primary focus for me. Um, so let's talk a little bit about cover crops. Oh, before you do, Go I ahead. just remembered one other thing I learned from that um, working farm, and I can't believe I didn't mention that first, was uh, the, the husband actually built his own chicken tractors. So since you and I have talked about getting chickens at yeah, some point. Yeah, and you came back talking about those chicken tractors, and I said, how many chickens? And you said one had 30 and another had 40. Yeah, he could hold 40 we, chickens. We're not going to do 40 chickens. So. But the, the design could still work. The same. Maybe. He built it on the back of a uh, like a hay cart, so you could build it a smaller. But anyway, I thought yeah. that was a very uh, useful part of the session for me. Okay, now you want to talk about cover crops. Just to mention that. We're learning more and more about what cover crops work in what situations and interesting mixes of cover crops that accomplish a, a set of goals rather than one primary goal. Um, and it's all coming into focus, I guess, in a way that seems more manageable, that seems more coherent. And I was glad to see the way that I was able to... Um, hear that and 
sort of think through how we would be able to put it to work here at Longleaf Breeze. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I guess uh, for me, there was a session on how to control pests, actually two sessions on how to control pests organically that were very helpful um, and introduced some new information. That's probably the biggest aha for me are some of the methods that are accepted because we don't hear about that in Master Gardener. Uh, you know, where, mm. when people can rely on spray. But, <clears throat> however, that's one thing they, they, even in Master Gardener, we learned is soil health is at the base of everything. Um, our, our Charles Mitchell, who talked to us about soil, says if you have healthy soil, you know, everything else can kind of fall into place. And, and they I emphasize am, um, that at Southern I'm following Sog. up on Southern Sog. Uh, one of the speakers there, terrific speaker, Joel Groover, who is uh, working at Western Illinois University, which doesn't sound very Southern, but he certainly is knowledgeable about what matters to us Southerners because he grew up in the South. Um, he put us on to several books that are available to download free from SARE, that's S-A-R-E dot org, and one of them that I'm reading is Building Soils for Better Crops. And what you see over and over again when you read these books is it's all about building healthy soil and how you can mm -hmm. do it yeah. and of course creating and depositing in the soil lots and lots of organic matter. Right. Continuing issue for us here in the south because our soil has such a fast metabolism anytime you start with good organic matter just give it a few months and it'll be gone. So <laughs> yeah. it's a constant uh, challenge of mm. replenishing the organic matter that tends to get consumed by normal metabolism. Yeah. There was another good program on building marginal soil, and I benefited from that. It was actually the same day you went on your farm tour. Mm. I took that permaculture course from Sue Lynn, and she talked about um, building soil in a situation somewhat similar to ours. She's actually farming on the side of a hill. She's not, she doesn't have bottom land because she couldn't afford it. And what she's done is um, farming on the contour, and she put down heavy cardboard and five or six inches of compost and then mulch on top of that. Wow. And just started working it, and she now has rich, dark, productive soil on the side of this hill and mm. it's not eroding so it's just a real success story about what you can do um, if you're careful about doing it um, in a responsible way yeah well good that considering we have a lot of hillsides to plant on we we needed to hear that um, you also we both went to uh, sessions two different ones uh, by a presenter who talked about mushrooms the role of mushrooms in Soil productivity. Yeah, now I'm forgetting mm. his name. Trad. Oh, um, oh gosh, that's all. We'll think of it. But we'll <laughs> put it on the show notes page. His first name's uh, Trad. I remember yeah, that. Our that apologies unusual. to him. He did it. MushroomMountain.com is the mm -hmm. name of his site. Yeah. Uh, yeah, mine was about production of mushrooms, and yours was more like using mushrooms to Mycorrhizae, build soil. Mycorrhizae, yeah, used in soil. Um, and as, with the, the exception of a few types of plants like brassicas, uh, he's saying that mushroom introducing mycorrhizae into soil uh, will help with the fertility and the, or the 
the growth of just about any vegetable you care to mention. Yes, and um, our knowledgeable friends sort of cock one eyebrow when we start passing along information like that. On the, the what they're telling us is that healthy soil already has mycorrhizae active in it, and if your soil is already healthy, chances are you don't need to add mycorrhizae to get them functioning. You just need to add organic matter so they have something to chew on. Right. But our soil is not already healthy. Oh, I think <laughs> it is. I think the soil on Veg Hill is getting healthier getting by healthier. the day. Oh, it is. Yeah, we've got our cover crop that we need to cut down out there, but that's another story. You came back talking about hoop houses again. Yeah, I I was really... um. I learned more about them. I, you know, I was an, I was negative to the idea for a long time because of the fact that there's all this plastic and what do you do with it when the five to seven years is over that it's the, the plastic's going to deteriorate. Um, and, you know, that still bothers me. I'd like to find a way to recycle that. But there's so much you can do with a hoop house as far as growing um small plant you know bedding plants but also <laughs> this was a big reveal and that man's name was Kurt Rahm I think at University of Arkansas right. talked about actually improving the growth of um, the organic production of peach trees in hoop houses so that and and peach peaches are something we struggle with down here if you don't want to spray pesticides on them and I was the one who was advocating hoop houses for a while, and I guess we have changed roles. I'm now the one who's dragging his feet about hoop houses. Oh. Um, concerns that I have are twofold. First is, where would we put it that's convenient to our home? Because we're fast filling up the area here in the core campus with other things. And second, um, they sure do use a lot of water. You're... When you build yeah. a hoop house, you're telling God, I don't have any use for your rain. You yeah. um, you have to come up with your own water for everything the plants need. Yeah. So You're right about that. And, and there are some problems with fungus and other other issues that can crop up in a hoop house that you wouldn't have if you were out in nature. So mm -hmm. I'm not saying I want to do it for sure, but it's just it, it did open my mind. But it's something mind. else for us to think about yeah. and, and yeah. keep in mind because it may make sense for us if we, um, you know, if we... We'll just put it together and, and, and keep it on the burner. And extending the season, of course, the growing season is the big, you know, gorilla there, That the, the big reason to do it. And uh, that may be something we need to do in the future. Growing later in the fall and, and getting things earlier, earlier mm -hmm. in the spring. Right. You're right. It, that is a real advantage. And there are crops that you can grow almost year-round um, even though the temperatures fall below freezing routinely. Yeah, yeah, so it, it's right. there's something to be said for it. And well, I you, guess the other thing about Southern Sog, before we leave that subject, is how we noticed that there were so many young people. It's exciting to see so many young people, and they all have a look. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, you're a, if you're a young person, and by young person we mean in your 20s, um, and maybe early 30s, but a whole lot of these guys are in their 20s, men and women both. Right. And there is a look. You, you really need to have facial hair if you're a man. <laughs> uh, you really need to be wearing a knit cap. Yeah. <laughs> and um, 
it was just fun to see. But they're nice, nice kids, and we really enjoyed visiting with them and knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in most cases, thoroughly committed to this whole idea of growing organically. Yeah, we're, that makes that gives us hope for the future. Well, I know we have, uh, speaking of the future, we have a little pro- project going on. Well, in just our, a little project Just a here. little project outside. We are in full throes here on what we call the orchard expansion, which is um, cutting down trees, clearing um, a good-sized swath of earth so that we can expand our orchard dramatically. Yeah. And we're looking forward to, to doing that. That's one reason that I we both went to the the organic fruit production uh, workshop at Southern Sog so that we could um, just get as many pointers as possible as we approach, a we hope, a nice size orchard when all this yeah. is done. Of course, our focus is not um, on planting fruit trees right now. At least my focus is right. on felling trees, big trees. Um, including guessing wrong about which they which way they're going to fall. There's a funky picture I put on the um, farm log, and maybe I'll put it on the show notes page as well, showing a tree with about three or four different notches in it that I struggled to bring down after I guessed wrong about which way it would yeah, fall. Yeah, um, and then we have the the mystery tree. We may have talked about that before. There's a tree I don't that, know that we have we've actually about it. it's it's a tree that has beautiful fragrant pink blossoms for a short time in the spring and we it's out there in the middle of everything we need to get it out before we try to have our orchard but we don't want to lose that specimen so we're going to try taking cuttings from it and rooting those so that we can plant cuttings from that tree around the property we call it a mystery tree because we've actually stumped the people at auburn in the ag school and i think presumably we stumped the biology department too. So. Yeah, we stumped two different departments at Auburn, uh, both of whom looked at it and studied it and sort of shrugged their shoulders and said, gosh, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, they didn't come and see it in person. We should clarify. We took pictures and showed them the bark, you know, the trunk, the leaves. So while it still had leaves on it. So uh, so anyway. we're leaving you responsible for rooting the mystery tree. And I think you've got your rooting powder ready to go. I do. And you're figuring ready out what go. kind of medium yeah. Or actually, media. I'm sure you're going to do it four or five different ways, yeah, in, in hopes maybe of so. uh, improving the chances of success. Yeah. Right now, we have lots and lots of lo- of branches on the ground ready to mulch, and that's our focus for today. As a matter of fact, right. you and I, even though it's pretty windy and forbidding outside, we're going to as soon as we get the podcast put to bed, we're going to go outside and start mulching. We have a huge pile of firewood ready to split and stack. And we're just running and gunning here. First, we got to get ready by Friday when my brother's bulldozer arrives. And then we got to get all of his work done in time to get the fruit trees in the ground as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. We're really sort of ending the season now uh, right. that's ideal for planting fruit trees. Yeah. So we're kind of <laughs> yeah, that's right. To race to get it all done, and we uh, also will be planting some ryegrass as a temporary, won't be our permanent turf out there, but it's one that will we hope will hold the soil, yeah, and get us started. And next week we can talk about exactly what we're planning to plant because we have put our list together. We sort of know what we are planning to plant. So. Yeah, but there'll be time to talk about that next week. 
But uh, we better go for now because we are out of time. Have a great week. You've been listening to Long Leaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.